Hello, and thank you for joining us for our Watershed Sermon Podcast. Watershed is a worshiping community within Harderwijk Ministries. We gather at 9.45 a.m. in the Anchor Building on the Harderwijk campus on the corner of 160th and Lakewood in Holland, Michigan. We invite you to join us in person when you are able. To learn more about our Watershed community and Harderwijk Ministries, please visit harderwijk.com. We continue, uh, we're continuing in a series, uh, if you didn't know that, we're, we're coming really kind of up to the halfway point where we are talking about core practices of our Christian faith. And uh, that's why we call it Act Like Jesus. These are practices that Jesus had, that Christians throughout generations have had, that we find throughout the scripture. And, and like I've said along the way, this isn't a 10-point checklist to do to make sure your salvation is secure or God is happy with you. No, that's... It's about living in, with, and for Jesus, right? It's, it's about us finding our life in Christ, right? Through these practices, we get to engage Jesus in a deeper way, in his identity, his life for us. The with Jesus life is allowing then Jesus and his ways to transform us, uh, to shape our hearts, our minds, as we're going to talk about today. And finally, that for Jesus life, our actions and who we are. Today we're talking about uh, the practice of surrender, that ultimately as Christians, we are a people who surrender, who submits our lives to God. As we get started, I want to share probably one of my favorite conversion stories I've ever heard. Um, It's from the author Anne Lamont, and and she, she puts it together in her book, Traveling Mercies, and I think it's better said in her own words. Uh, at, at the point in time of her surrender to God, her conversion, um, she was addicted to cocaine. Uh, she was addicted to alcohol. Uh, she had actually, that week, had an abortion um, of a child that she conceived with a married man. So her, her life really was falling apart. And she, in that week, dove harder into drugs, um, harder into the alcohol, and it, it just, she was in a downward spiral. And so, uh, listen to her words this morning as we, we get going. She said, after a while, as I lay there, she's laying in bed, she said, I became aware of someone with me. Hunkered down in the corner, I just assumed it was my father whose presence I had felt over the years when I was frightened and alone. The feeling was so strong that I actually turned on the light for a moment to make sure that no one was there. (laughs) Of course, there wasn't. But after a while in the dark again, I knew beyond any doubt that it was Jesus. I felt him as surely as I feel my dog lying nearby as I write this. (laughs) And I was appalled. So I was appalled. I thought about my life and my brilliant, hilarious, progressive friends. I thought about what everyone would think of me if I became a Christian. And it seemed an utterly impossible thing that simply no, simply could not be allowed to happen. So I turned to the wall and I said out loud, I'd rather die. I'd rather die. And I felt him just sitting there on his haunches in the corner of my sleeping loft, watching me with patience and love. And I squinched my eyes shut, but that didn't help because that's not what I was actually seeing him with. Finally, I fell asleep, and in the morning, he was gone. 
See, this experience, it spooked me badly. Amen. I would, I'd be a little spooked too. <laughs> so, but I thought it was just an apparition born of fear and self-loathing and booze and the loss of blood. But then everywhere I went, I had this feeling that a little cat was following me. Wanting me to reach down, pick it up. Wanting me to open the door and let it in. But I knew what would happen. You let a cat in one time, give it a little milk, and then it stays forever. So I tried to keep one step of it, slamming my houseboat boat, boat door when I entered or left. And one week later, I went back to church. I was so hungover that I couldn't stand up for the songs, and this time I even stayed for the sermon, which I just thought was so ridiculous, like someone trying to convince me of the existence of extraterrestrials. Sorry if you've ever felt that way. <laughs> said, but the last song, was so deep and raw and pure that I couldn't escape. It was as if people were singing in between the notes, weeping and joyful at the same time, and I felt like their voices or something was rocking me in its bosom, holding me like a scared kid. And I opened up to that feeling, and it washed over me. I began to cry. I left before the benediction, I raced home, I felt that little cat running at my heels, and I walked down the dock past dozens of potted flowers under a sky as blue as one of God's own dreams. I opened the door to my houseboat, and I stood there a minute, and I hung my head and said, forget it. She used a different word. <laughs> so I took a long, deep breath, and I said out loud, all right, you can come in. So this is my beautiful conversion story. Surrender. Sometimes it's surrendering our lives as a whole, as Lynn and Lamont shared, real, raw. I don't know what to do. Sometimes it's surrendering today. We're going to talk about just our thoughts. Some of the way we've been thinking or not realizing we've actually kind of been programmed by the world because we haven't really thought through what we think. Sometimes it's surrendering our heart, our passions, the things that, we per, we, that, that drive us and we pursue. Sometimes it's surrendering the way we've been acting in this life, the things we've been putting our efforts and our energies in. But nonetheless... God calls us to a life of surrender, and in that life of surrender, so that you and I might truly find life, life eternal, that speaks in and lives today and goes on for eternity. The passage this morning is pretty simple. It's two verses, Romans 12. Paul understood um, in Acts 9, you can read his story of a grandiose conversion. He was, he was busy, busy murdering Christians when God got a hold of him. So if you think Anne Lamott's story is a little raw, uh, Paul's is a little more. <laughs> he was out murdering people. Um, so, but uh, he came to know God, and, and he says this in Romans 12. He writes, uh, he writes this, Therefore, and last week I talked about this in Hebrews, Hebrews 12, now in Romans 12, therefore, what's it there for? So Paul has been talking in, at this point in time, Romans 1 through 11, all about theology, what we believe, and, and he's going to transition in the book of Romans how we now ought to live. 
That's what the therefore is there for. It says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies, that means your whole life, flesh, bones, spirit, heart, offer your whole bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, dedicated to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you're going to be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Right? Paul reminds us and has been reminding Roman Christians all along up to this point that our God is good and his will and his purposes are meant ultimately for the true human flourishing. Flourishing of creation, the flourishing of our lives. Eugene Peterson, when he translates this text um, in, in, the, uh, uh, in the message, he writes, he writes this. He says, so here's what I want you to do. He's translating Paul's words. Here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work, and you're walking around life. Place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. Sounds a lot like last week, right? The discipline of fixing our eyes on God, a a single-mindedness. He says, instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you and develops well-informed maturity in you. God wants to raise us into the people that he initially created us to be. Wants to breathe his new life into us. His good, perfect, pleasing will. We surrender our lives to God. Right, as we just kind of walk through the text this morning, the first thing I want to highlight is in view of, we do all of this, we offer our lives as a living sacrifice in view of God's mercy. Right, our giving, our surrender of our lives is not because we're going to try to get something out of it, it's because of what Jesus has done. That is the gospel, that is the good news for us. It's not about trying to convince God to somehow be okay with us to maybe let us sneak in the side door of heaven. No, it's a Christ who gave his life, who sacrificed. We prayed this morning. He justified us. I mean, he, he made us right, proved us right before God, even though the verdict came down guilty. Right? God's mercy, his compassions that are new every morning, his faithfulness that endures. In view of God's mercy, Paul says, a God who's never let you down, who's never going to turn his back on you, who's got you eternally, even when it seems like death wins the day. Right? In view of this God, we surrender our lives. A God who has created us and sustains us, a God who saves us. And continues to work his life in us. Not only do we focus in that on what God has done. Peterson also identifies uh, a, a bit of what that means in view of God's mercy. That means also with God's help. 
right? That when we look to the God who has saved us and given his life for us, we also rely on his help. So if we're going to surrender to God, we need his help. We need the apparition in the corner bugging us, driving us nuts. It seems like it's our father <laughs> pursuing us, pestering us, acting like the little cat following along, nipping at your toes, right? But the good news in view of God's mercy, God's mercy Again, that is new every morning. What he's done is true. He will help us to offer our lives in view of God's mercy. Right? Offer yourselves. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. I love how Peterson translates that and, and talks, right? Take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping, you're eating, going to work, you're walking around life. And place it before God as an offering. He goes on to say what? Embracing what God has done is the best thing you can do for him. That to offer our lives, ourselves, to surrender it before God is to say, you know what? The best thing I can do to honor you, God, because you gave your life, is to say, Lord, have mine. Have your way with me. Paul, who writes this, would later, I mean, he'd go on to say, hey, the only thing worth anything in my life is Christ. It didn't matter how great of a Pharisee was. doesn't matter which side of the tracks I grew up on because I grew up as, as a Hebrew of Hebrews from the tribe of Benjamin. And on top of that, I was a Roman citizen. So if you got it good on all sides, I got it good on all sides. He goes, but all of that, all of my accolades, all of my zeal, it doesn't matter. It was all a pile of dung, he says, compared to the glory of knowing God. He says, in view of God's mercy, right, offer you, give your life up. Anne had to, had to wrestle with what it was going to mean to be accepted by her friends and whether or not her friends would turn their back on her. She would go on to talk about what would it mean to be, go through the journey of being free of drug addiction and alcoholism. What would it mean that some of her ideals were no longer the way, even though it seemed like it was right in the world, it wasn't right to what God wanted. And that's true for all of us. We surrender our lives to God. Part of how we do that is we don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Again, Peterson has a, a, just such a great translation there. Don't become so well adjusted to the culture that you fit into it without thinking. How many of you have ever done that? Right? Like where, where we are just so indoctrinated, because we are. This is the world in which we live. God completely knows this. He isn't surprised when we are indoctrinated by our culture. He's not surprised when we conform to the patterns of the world. Why? Because he came to offer his life to free us from that. If we could have done it on our own, we would have done it on our own. But this is where Paul says, if you're going to surrender your life, you can't continue in the way you once were. Throughout his letters, he will say, you're going to have to shake off the old, right? We heard this last week in a single-mindedness to take the things that seem to trip us up and push them aside. I, I use this illustration, right? Oftentimes when we were living our old life, Jesus was maybe here in the background, but man, we were looking at everything else in the world that we thought really mattered. And both in single-mindedness and surrender, we go like this. We're going to shift this over here, and we're going to start to look at Jesus. 
right? The pioneer and perfecter of our faith is Hebrew 6. And then through that, the rest of the world is going to come into its right focus. But we're going to have to not conform. We're going to have to actually confront the ways that we have been, we have been programmed into the world of sin, the life of sin, into a creation that's, that at every turn bears the, the fall of Adam and Eve in it. Into even the best ideas having margin and, and a measure of something wrong with it. We can't conform. And what does he say? He goes on to say, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Right? Fix your attention on God, Peterson says, and you're going to be changed from the inside out. It means we're going to have to think differently. We're going to have to be willing to challenge the way we think life should be. It's going to have to be, thy will be done. Remember the Lord's Prayer? Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, not mine. Be transformed. We're going to have to fix our eyes on Jesus. And then what does he say? It's only then. Then that we're going to be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. If you want to know what creation looks like at its best. If you want to know what human flourishing really looks like. The only way you're going to truly know that and see it is through the God who's authored it. The God who puts boundaries around it. The God who saves us when we've crossed those boundaries. And the God who will once again make it what it was intended to be long ago before sin destroyed it. He's going to make it fully and finally perfect and beautiful. But along the way, our lives are not a waste. As we're being transformed, we get to participate in a kingdom that is both here and yet to come. We get to participate in eternal life that isn't just on a hill far, far away, but eternity starts the minute we surrender our lives to God. That eternal life, Paul will say, is not just when we die. Eternal life is breathed into it the moment we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And the Holy Spirit indwells us. The one that was God's breath that animated life is the breath that animates the new life in us. It's like Jesus talking to Nicodemus in John 3. He says, listen, in order to be a new creation, you're, you're going to have to be born again. And Nicodemus is like, how do I go back into my mother's womb? No. It's going to be by the Holy Spirit. Right, if we want to know God's will, God's ways, if we really want to know what the flourishing of life looks like, we're going to have to focus our attention on God. This morning, if I can kind of sum it up, I'd say, first of all, that we surrender our minds. As I mentioned, if you want to go to Philippians 3, it's a great way to see how Paul really surrendered his mind, his heart, and his actions. But we have to be willing to surrender our propaganda Tell me there's not propaganda going around in the world that we buy into. we got to be willing to surrender our agenda. We've got to be willing to surrender the things that maybe give shape. Because the things that we think about often shape us. 
right? So what do we think about what speaks into our lives? This morning, what are the voices that are speaking into yours? We've got to surrender our hearts. Paul said, I mean, I, I was the most zealous of people. Right? I was pursuing the purity as a Pharisee. He was pursuing purity according to the law. And yet he would say, oh, the only way to purity is through Christ. But are we willing to surrender our hearts? Those, that, that's our affections. Are we going to surrender our fears before the Lord? Trust God with them. Are we going to surrender the entitlements we have, because let's all be honest, we, we all feel a little entitled to something. <laughs> That's in our heart. We've got to be willing to surrender our attractions, our desires. We live in a world that says if it looks good, do it. If it feels good, do it. Because that's what makes you happy. Well, that's a lie from the pit of hell. There's a lot of sin that seems good on the outside. The apple seemed good. Being my own God seems good. To be like God seems good. That's the temptation. And yet to say the way life flourished was actually when I was with God. Not only do we surrender our minds and our hearts, but do we surrender our actions? I don't know about you, I like to justify my behavior. So I talked to middle school and high school youth groups this week, and we talked about justification. And I know it's shown up a little bit this week, and, uh, you know, if it's on my mind. But to be justified, again, you know, like, is, is to make something right. When we try to justify our behaviors, we're trying to make it right. And oftentimes we're trying to make it right because there's a need deep inside of us that needs to be acknowledged, that needs to be filled. But sometimes the sin in our lives leads us to do things that actually don't help us. Have you ever done that? Done something you, you wanted to do and you thought it would come like, yeah! Nope, doesn't help. I, you know, I, I, I get it when I'm speeding. Right? Anybody? I'm going to get there faster until our blessed servants of our community uh, pull me over and remind me, uh, sir, there are limits. <laughs> But do we surrender our behaviors? Do we surrender our actions? Right, it's not just this grand, glorious, sometimes it is. It's surrendering our lives to Jesus and saying, I need you to be my Lord and Savior. Maybe you need that today. Maybe you've been running your life your way. Maybe you once knew Jesus and, and you're, you're going, you know what, I, I really, I've been trying to do this, Jesus and life. You know, Aaron, you were talking about sometimes we put the world here and Jesus back here. Sometimes, I, I actually probably am more like this where I'm trying to, I'm trying to do that, you know, and I'm slobbering all over the place. Maybe, maybe today we finally need to surrender because the only thing on our list is Jesus. It's not Jesus and. And if you're living that way, I want to invite you to surrender 
the rest of your list and say, Jesus, may it be you and you alone so that I can see the rest of the world through your eyes. So I can show up in a way that loves my neighbor as myself. Because that's as much the greatest commandment. Not just to love our God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength, but it's to love our neighbor as ourselves. That the outflow of God's love and grace in our lives, of knowing him, will actually pour out of us to bless others. Talk about flourishing. See, next week we're going to talk about biblical community. I'll tell you a a little bit of what I'm going to talk about across the parking lot. Biblical community is anchored in John 13. Jesus says, here's my command to you. Love one another as I have loved you. Radical. And if you want to know what that love looks like, because that's a verb, I want to invite you over to 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13 is not a, a passage about our affections and our feelings. It's not a passage only designed for marriage. Actually, no. Fundamentally, Paul is talking to the believers, to the community faith, and he says, you know what? Let me identify. Let me, let me help you understand what love is. Love is patient, kind. It doesn't envy, doesn't boast, isn't proud, isn't rude, isn't self-seeking. It doesn't delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects. It always hopes. It always perseveres. That's love. That's biblical community. If we're going to be the church in the world, it comes from surrendering our lives to the one who is full of grace and life and love himself so that we love one another in a way that can actually transform the world. Screaming at the world isn't going to do it. Putting the right person in power has never done it. (laughs) Ever. Ever. Because the one who's in power is already on his throne. And that's Jesus. It's not hating your enemy. It's working with them. It's seeing God in them and someone that God has given his life for. It's being willing to say, man, I don't have my life together. I need help. Love. But in order to get there with each other, we have to surrender our lives first to the God who is love. We have to, like Anne Lamott, say, forget it. You can come in. Let's pray. God, you can come in. I don't know about others, Lord. I, it's often a prayer. Uh, I, I need to pray on a, on a regular daily basis. I've got to say, Lord, what you taught us to pray uh, in, in the Lord's Prayer. Lord, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because really, Lord, my mind is limited my affections are limited, and what I can do is limited. But you're not. You saw all of our limitations, and you've righted that which needed to be right. 
Lord, you are in the process of doing that even now. And you are the one who will empower us to live in a way that sees eternity today, that participates in your kingdom now, not just someday. Again, Lord, we need you. We surrender to you. And we trust, Lord, that you who are good, you whose will is good, perfect, and pleasing, Lord, will carry us now and will carry us forever. Because we can be assured, Lord, you will never forsake us. You will never turn your back on us. Lord, again, we love you, we trust you, and in view of your mercy, we surrender our lives to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. To learn how to get involved in our watershed community or how to support Harder Wyke Ministries, please visit us at harderwyke.com.